Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. to the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast with your host, Nick Bat. The Prime Minister of Sweden visited Washington today and my tiny little nipples went to France. And Bruce Nolan. Yo, brethren, what up with thee? Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at Nick Bat, N-I-C-K-B-A-T. Along with me, as always, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. That's right. And here we are on our third date with all of you wonderful Buffalo Rumblings podcast listeners. And I know there was only one of you, I believe, who was willing to give it up on the second date and gave us a review on iTunes or other podcast platforms. And for that person, we will call you back. Absolutely. I'm texting them back. <laughs> yeah. There's no ghosting going on no, here. No, there is no ghosting. But for the rest of you, this is your third date with us. And we are, again, going to try to woo your hearts to the point that you give up that coveted five-star review along with a couple-sentence positive comment about the Buffalo Rumblings podcast on your favorite podcast app now that the Nick and Nolan show is on this channel. And the way that we are going to do that today is we are going to tell you how the Buffalo Bills in 2019 can win the AFC East. Say what? It is not the easiest of tasks. It is not for the faint of heart. It is for the true warrior fan to endeavor down this mental path. There was a guy, when I had season tickets to the Buffalo Bills, there was a guy who sat a couple rows in front of me who would always get up whenever we got a first down and turn to the section, and the section would all look at him, and he would go, first down, really loud. He was the one who was shirtless in December. This task is for that guy. That's right. He is enough man for this task. (laughs) So we are going to do our best to carry and embody the spirit of the shirtless man at a home game in December. First down man. And talk about what it would look like, what would need to happen, how it could possibly happen that in 2019, our Buffalo Bills are going to win the AFC East. There are many, many things which need to happen. <laughs> and, and not all of them include other teams' posit, you know, best players winding up on injured reserve. Although Tom that, Brady. It's not, it's, it doesn't hurt. It certainly won't hurt us if, we, if, we, if some of those things wind up happening. But you know, we're, in the, we're in the lull of the offseason, right? We are in the dog days of summer between mini camp and training camp. And I think we're all hungry for some optimism, right? There's not a whole lot of news. Hopefully, there's not a lot of news coming out right now because mostly if it is, it's bad things happening in the players' private lives. So we wouldn't necessarily describe 
the Bills' chances of winning the AFC East as realistic, but we want to give you the most realistic path if it were to somehow come to fruition. These are the most likely possible ways that it could happen that we could win the AFC East in 2019. Bruce, if somebody were to tell you that they think the Bills could win the AFC East in 2019, what's your immediate emotional and intellectual reaction to that person and their statement? Uh, <laughs> really? Um, cool. <laughs> Maybe cool. Cool would be my response. Tina, Tina Belcher from the from Bob's Burgers. There. Uh, I've never seen Bob's Burgers. Oh, come on! That hurts me. Okay. Well, we we can't. We don't have time. You and I don't have similar tastes in TV shows, though. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't have time to go into this, though. No. All right. We won't. We won't. Yeah, I would respond like that. I would go, uh, um, okay, uh, um, I'm with you. I appreciate your optimism. It's not insane, but I think a lot of things would have to, to fall right for us to be able to do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Vegas has us at six and a half wins over under, right? I mean. I will say that that seems low oh, to I me. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, I, would, I would take the over on that one if I was a betting man. Yeah, it should be, it should be seven and a half or eight and a half. We were six and ten. With the worst offense in the history of football for half the season. Agreed. Agreed. I understand. I know why you feel that way. So, okay. I think we're both in that place. They're both in the... the, uh, I don't really know about that, right? So, if we talk about the Bills, if we take a look in the mirror, and we're going to evaluate ourselves, I would assume that Josh Allen... That's exactly where I was going to start. Josh Allen taking a significant step forward, becoming what Brandon Bean believed he could be whenever he drafted him is part of this. You want to get a little granular about what it looks like for Josh Allen to do that? Yeah. So Josh Allen has to look close to being the guy. And here's what I mean by that. You can make the playoffs with a quarterback who is not the guy. You can do it. We did it with Tyrod. So the idea that Josh has to be the guy for us to make the playoffs is just not true. It's absolutely not true. It just isn't. You don't need a franchise quarterback to make the playoffs. There's lots of teams who have made the playoffs without a franchise quarterback. But as a general rule, they either have someone who is a reasonable facsimile or they have absolutely elite remainders of team. We do not have absolutely elite remainders of team, which means... Josh has to be some sort of reasonable facsimile to the guy. He doesn't have to be the guy. We don't have to end 2019 with, yep, it's, you know what? Sign me up. Kelly jersey, it's going in storage. I'm getting the Josh Allen jersey out. I'm wearing shorts because that's (laughs) the way. 24-7. 24-7. I'm wearing shorts. (laughs) I'm chugging a beer. And where's my Wyoming jersey? Like, you know, get a uh, 26 shirts Air Allen you know, shirt or something like that. He doesn't have to be the one who hurdles. By the, the one way, who hurdles. Somebody's got to make that shirt for us. That's that's a there's a there's a formal. Re- yes, a, a, I am the one who hurdles. A formal Nick and Nolan request out there to our podcast listening community. Josh Allen, the one who hurdles, a Nick and Nolan trademark. We would love t-shirt ideas. Send them our way on Twitter. I'm down. The point is that he doesn't have to be the guy. Now, would it benefit our chances if he was? Absolutely. But he can, you can get there if he takes a step forward but isn't elite. He isn't 
unquestionably a franchise quarterback. So he can do that. Well, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky, is that the kind of... That's, that's a great example. Okay, so... Mitchell Trubisky, you maybe still do, did, are on the record saying... I'm it, still it, on the record. Yeah, as significant reservations and concerns about Mitchell Trubisky. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky's the guy. But I they, don't. But the Bears look, you know, darn good as, as a team, a dangerous team that you don't necessarily want to play on their home turf in high-stakes situations. And they had an offense that was well-schemed. They had an unbelievable defense. And... They had a quarterback who took a step forward. Mitchell Trubisky took a step forward. He has proven that he can be the starting quarterback of a playoff team and a decent, reasonable quarterback. I think that's it for Mitchell Trubisky. I I personally think that's it. Joe Flacco has had seasons like that. Yeah, absolutely. Where where he was, you know, obviously Baltimore didn't consider him to be the guy. I I, I don't know. I guess it's a combination of things. They did when they gave him a fat check. They gave gave him a huge fat check whenever he won him a Super Bowl, as I think you would be forced to do. But they did move on from him. You know, they didn't let him finish out his entire career there. So obviously they don't think that he was that. And I think that there's a lot of evidence of Joe Flacco on the field that people would say, yeah, maybe maybe not the, you know, maybe this is this is all warranted. There's a reason why the is Joe Flacco elite question still rings in my ears. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Josh Allen takes a step forward. And I think that that looks a little bit different. We've we've talked at length about what it looks like for Josh Allen to, to take a step forward, what you want to see, what I want to see. So we can leave that there for the moment. What else needs to happen for the Bills, for our team, our roster, our coaching staff, in order for us to have a shot at winning the East? The running game has to show up. It has to show up. And for those people out there who say that the running game was fine because it was like ninth last year, it it wasn't fine. Stop. Stop it. Get some help. The running game was terrible. You're including Josh Allen's rushing yards. And you shouldn't. Josh Allen running for his life cannot and should not be calculated into how good your running game is. Quote, unquote, the running game. Right. Josh Allen was your leading rusher. When you talk about the running game, I mean, I, not that these people don't exist that you're talking about, but when you talk about the running game, I think that most fans are aware that you're talking about the designed run plays for your running back. I have seen people defend the running game by saying it was top 10 in the league last year. I've seen it happen. And I, I, I it's taken They're like the bit. Isaiah McKenzie truthers? They are Isaiah McKenzie truthers. <laughs> they're the same people. Okay. Yes, they're the same people. Well, you know, the running game was top 10 last year. No. Stop. We, we don't need we don't need Jamison Crowder or Cole Beasley. We have Isaiah McKenzie. These are the same people. Yes, these are the exact same people. Isaiah McKenzie, just I just somebody, somebody out there feels very attacked right now. Some people out there feel very attacked. Just know that I love you anyway. Offense taken. <laughs> so that's what needs to happen. Now, that can happen only through the offensive line and the tight ends run blocking better. I actually am not of the opinion that LaShawn McCoy was absolutely terrible last year. LaShawn McCoy absolutely did take a step back last year. Absolutely he did. He he was missing he was missing holes he previously wasn't missing. And he took a step backwards. I do. I 100% believe that. However, he didn't take as significant of a step backwards as his statistics would indicate. Because as much of a small step as he may have taken backwards, the offensive line bottomed out. It was awful. 
I, I think that what I saw Shady do last season was stop trusting his his teammates and become gun shy almost. I, I don't normally don't describe a running back that way. I think I, you can describe a quarterback that way a lot more easily. Hey there, Trent Edwards. <laughs> but what I what I saw was Shady get the ball and just hesitate to no end. Not hit the hole, not trust that the hole was going to be there, not trust that anything was going to be the way it should. And as a result, even whenever there were plays where some yards were to be had, because he didn't trust that there was going to be something for that there for that him to work with, he would catch the he would get the ball in the backfield and immediately start dancing. Hey, seeing ghosts. I mean, sometimes there were guys in the backfield too. So he was dancing to avoid defenders. But there were also times where it seemed as though he expected there to be a defender in the backfield when there wasn't. And that's whenever I think mentally it started to affect his performance. We also should not overlook how bad the tight end run blocking was last year. I do not think Jason Kroom has a solid roster spot this year. A lot of people do. I'm not one of them. I'm just not. I think Jason Kroom was, well, this is what we got this year. And we signed a tight end and drafted two. Then we signed another one. I don't think there's anyone from last year who should feel good, now given the fact that Jason Kroom is basically all that's left from last year. The, the fact of the matter is that, you know, it, it, the tight end blocking was really bad. Charles Clay was not the same blocker he was before either. And so that contributed to it. So the running game needs to get on track. And the way it's going to get on track is through the new additions. So that's something else that has to happen for the Bills to win the AFC East. Is there anything else on the offensive side of the ball? Or, I mean, the wide receiver in the receiving game, in your opinion, is more reliant on Josh Allen's performance than their performance. Yeah, I would agree with that. I actually, I don't think you have to ask John Brown or Cole Beasley to do anything that they haven't already done. I don't think you need them to take a step forward or be something else or evolve into something. I don't think you need any of those things to happen in order for the Bills to be successful. You just need them to do the things that they already do well like they already do them. I mean, having the offensive line coming together from a pass-blocking standpoint is important, but if Robert Foster doesn't take the next step, that's fine. If Zay Jones doesn't take the next step, that's fine. As long as Cole Beasley, if he just does the same things he's always done, and John Brown does the same things he's always done, and Zay Jones does the same things he's always done, and Robert Foster does the same things he's always done, we'll be fine. I mean, you know, if Robert Foster gets us 600 yards receiving, and Zay Jones gets us 700 yards receiving, and Cole Beasley gets us 650 yards receiving, and John Brown gets us 800 yards receiving, right? We're we're closing in on 3,000 right there, and we haven't done any checkdowns. I, I really don't think any of them have to be anything other than what they are. I don't think we're really asking a lot from that kind of stuff. Just you be you, baby. Do you, boo-boo. Do you, boo-boo. And this doesn't include anything from the tight ends. And our tight end production was catastrophic last year. I'm not asking Dawson Knox to come in and be a 700-yard receiver in his rookie year. We don't need him to be. If Tyler Croft is able to contribute 400 yards and we get 
you know, seven catches from Lee Smith and two from Patrick DeMarco and 30 from LaShawn McCoy and 21 from Frank Gore were there. Yeah. So my question, we're talking about this now, and I'm a little bit curious with the limitations that I think you and I both expect the tight ends to bring to the table on the receiving end of things. I think we're quite confident and feel pretty good about the blocking end of the tight ends. I mean, Lee Smith moves the needle on that pretty significantly. Dawson Knox seems to be a very willing blocker. Tommy Sweeney, a very willing blocker. Jason Kroon, could be <laughs> least well, I mean, you were saying willing. He's willing. Sure. He's just not good at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. With all that being the case, even though that's what Dable wants the offense to to utilize is the multiple tight end looks and, and such, although that's like part of what he really wants in his heart of hearts, do you think that the roster strength in that area is limited enough that it would warrant us actually game planning away from that a little bit. Yes. We talked about this on the last pod. We talked about how much of the empty stuff was based on preference and how much of it was based on necessity. We're going to find out this year. Well, yeah, but our conversation previously was about that it was a necessity for Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. Maybe now it's going to be a necessity because we just don't have the tight end bodies. Correct. That's That's a reasonable possibility. It's very reasonable that we go you know, 11 personnel more than I'm thinking. Because I said, I went on record last pot as saying, I really think that Dable wants to go 21 personnel. And he very well could. But in the scenarios where it's passing downs, I we could just go five wide. Yeah, and it's not for Josh Allen's ease. It's because we just don't feel good about what the tight ends offer in the receiving game. Could be both. Could be both. I mean, yes, we're not, re- you know, yeah, that's true. Okay. What about on the defensive side of the ball for the Bills? Trent Murphy's got to give us something. He's got to give us something. It's got to happen. We talked about it on the pod last time. I don't think Trent Murphy's a 12-sack guy. I don't, I don't even necessarily know that he's going to give us nine sacks like he gave the Redskins in 2016. But if he gave us seven, that's a win. Chalk that up as a win. If we can get some sort of threat... On the other side, not even a shaking in your pants kind of threat. Maybe just a minor inconvenience. Let's not leave him unblocked threat. That would be good <laughs> enough. Let's just give me something that would help. I mean, what about Ed Oliver? Does he have to do anything, or do you just have to be replacement level of Kyle Williams? Defensive tackle is not necessarily an impact rookie position. Historically, it hasn't been, and. I don't think Ed Oliver needs to be a nine-sack guy. I don't think he has to be Aaron Donald for the Bills to do well. Because last year, I love Kyle Williams. But last year was not a strong year for the Bills from the three-tech spot. Jordan Phillips was fine. And Kyle Williams was okay. So if he could do that, we'd be fine. Anything past that is gravy. If Ed Oliver comes in as rookie of the year caliber... Awesome. I don't think we need him to be for the purposes of this example to make it work. So at several times we have talked about how maybe Sean McDermott believes that Ed Oliver is going to help solve the pass rush. 
because if you get more interior pass rush, that's going to make things easier for Jerry Hughes, Shaq Lawson, Trent Murphy, Eli Harold, Eddie Yarbrough, Mike Love, etc. Right? Whoever you, whoever the fourth guy that that lands on the roster is. Okay, so if that's the case, is it more important that Ed Oliver plays his part? And that only then will Trent Murphy give us something, or Shaq Lawson, whoever. Or is it more so, no, like we really need something that we weren't getting from that position specifically? You need something that you weren't getting from that position specifically. We need Trent Murphy to do something he didn't do last year. Trent Murphy did not give us much last year. Now, there's a reason for that. He was banged up the whole year. But... We need something for that position. We cannot rely on Ed Oliver to help spring Trent Murphy to his 2016 levels. He needs to do it on his own. And if Ed Oliver gives us something greater than Kyle Williams and Jordan Phillips gave us last year, gravy. I'm down for it. Okay. What else on the defense? Trey, Trey Edmonds. He's got to be something with him. Tremaine right? Edmonds has to continue the trajectory. So Tremaine Edmonds finished the year really strong. I really liked the Miami game. One of my favorite plays from last year was Trent Murphy basically jumping over a Miami Dolphins blocker to make a sack. And I thought it was great. Tremaine Edmonds, we don't really talk about it a lot. Tremaine Edmonds was um, terrible in the preseason and early parts of the season. I was year. very worried. I did not. He look, was not good. I did not feel good. Now, it's easy for us to brush that under the rug now because he, he ended so strongly and the trajectory is there, but he was bad, like bad, bad, like the reason the Chargers lit us up bad. And that just means he's come so far. We need that trajectory from that low point to that high point. We need that incline to keep going because if he turns into I don't even want to say Luke Keekley. If he turns into a really good middle linebacker, that changes this defense. It's hard to think of a comparison for Trey Edmonds because of his size for me. Like there isn't, you can name a great middle linebacker like Luke Keekley, and that's fine. He's truly still not the same player. He's so much different in the passing game because of his length. I mean, Erlacher? Erlacher wasn't that long, but Erlacher was a converted safety. Yeah. So he played in the space really well. Right, right. And I, yeah, and Urlacher. I'm not saying, please, I'm not saying Tremaine Edmonds is Brian Erlacher. Uh, yeah, he, I'm saying it's hard to find a comp for him. He, even Erlacher doesn't f- land on me particularly well because he, he's such just a physical animal. He, uh, size-wise, maybe LeVar Arrington? Yeah, Arrington was a little thicker, I think. Yeah, um, maybe. Now I'm, he's, I'm, I'm, I'm he's, a, he's a 20-year-old kid, though. Yeah, I'm, I mean, little, dude, I'm spitballing now. He's gonna he's gonna be thicker. I mean, he's, it's just hard. Tremaine Edmonds, if he becomes a star, Tremaine Edmonds will be a unique player. Yeah, true. He, he is so tall and he's so long, and he's so rangy. It's just problematic. Yeah. If he gets instincts in the passing lanes. He can shut down a third of the field right there in the middle. Like, you just, you don't really want to throw the seam routes because he looks like he's out of position, but he's so long 
and he's the recovery speed is there that he can just get his hands into passing yeah. lanes. I've talked you, about the you, NBA composition right there. If you're going to put enough air on the ball to get over him, you're giving the safety time to get there. Yeah, and of course, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, right? They will get there. Right. If he continues his trajectory, the defense it's really hard historically to carry defense from year to year. The great defenses don't last like the great offenses do because the great offenses are really based on quarterbacks. The great defenses are based on so many other parts. It's harder to sustain defense. Do you know what can help us sustain defense? That guy. If he turns into a stud, oh man. Yeah, that's exciting. One of the things that always, we ended the year, my understanding is, quite, quite, in quite a pretty position, statistically, as far as our defense is concerned. Now, people talk about that. You're just grimaced and kind of like, eh, maybe, maybe not. And I understand. I feel the same way because we got shellacked like six times last season. Mm-hmm. Like, took our pants down and spanked the bare bottoms, shellacked last season. They got the switch on us. You know what I'm talking about? It's a very, very vivid <laughs> metaphor you're using right Dude, now. Well, well, okay, 47 to 3, 31 to 20. Uh, 22 to nothing, 37 to 5, 25 to 6, 41 to 9. These are losses that we took last season. And to think that somehow we still wound up with people having a high opinion of our defense, it, I mean, it just boggles my mind. Here's why. We were second in yards allowed. Here's a hot take for you, just while I'm searching for those five-star reviews. The Bills did not have an elite defense last year. Stop saying they did. Boy, that escalated quickly. Oof. Well, I mean, it is a common, it is a common comment to be made that we did, and that we did defense, not have an elite defense. The defense last is going to take the defense is going to take a step back because we were so good last year. We were second in yards, and what were we in points? No idea. In the late teens, in points. Not great, Bob. Now. Well, that was because the offense was putting us in bad positions, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so... uh... Just imagine where we would have been on yards if we didn't have six blowouts on on our resume from last season. I mean, sure, the defense was good. I like the defense. I think the defense has a lot of known commodities, has an opportunity to move forward. The cornerback conundrum that we had at the beginning of last season... If it's not solved, we've got lots of different tools in the toolbox that we can try to solve it with. So I feel good about all of that. But it is, I don't know. To me, I just have a very nuanced opinion of our defense last year. It was it was good at the end of the year. It got better. If it's going to be elite, this will be the year. Don't come at me with yards per game as your measurement stick. Just just don't. It's it, It's... It's a horrible method by which to evaluate defensive play. We were markedly better on defense than we were on offense for the majority of the year. But we are not an elite defense. We could be this year if these things go the way I want them to go. Not only that, we will win the East if these things go the way that we want. And the next thing <laughs> is the same thing as is this, along the same lines. Matt Milano needs to return to form. Now, it doesn't look like that's going to be a big if because he was full go the first OTA. No lingering effects of the leg injury, which is awesome. But I need him to not 
take a step backwards. I need him to not show lingering effects. Lo- yeah, lower extremity injuries, especially when there's a break or a tear of something, which he broke his ankle. You know, Tyler Croft broke, he broke the same foot. Now, foot injuries and, and ankle, they're not identical, and I'm not trying to say that they are. But in general, lower extremity injuries where there's been a break or a split or something like that, they, they worry me because that part of your body takes so much stress every single play. You know, every step you take, every every time you dig your foot in the ground, every time you try to accelerate off of that foot, there's a lot of quick twitch torsion that gets put on those muscles in that part of your body. Especially with linebackers. Yeah. Linebackers are moving in all four directions all the time. You know, with certain players, you're repeating the same motions over and over again, and you may be able to hide it. With players like corners, safeties, linebackers, you can't do that. Because you might take two steps back and then it's a draw play and you got to plant and go. Or you might take a step forward and bite on a play action and then you got to plant and go backwards now. Or you may be running sideline to sideline. Matt Milano needs to return to form. The last thing on the defense is that CB2 spot, which is so much better on paper this year than it was last year. It was just a, not a good space last year. Vontae Davis about to retire. That's not a good. Yes, no, that's not a no, good position to no, be. No, it was not. It was not good. Philip Gaines. Oh, oh, don't. Why did you? Why do you say that? <laughs> it does hurt. What? It is. It is. It is not a. It's not a tasty. Uh, not a tasty thought. But if Kevin Johnson and EJ Gaines can really stay healthy, and if Levi Wallace can stay healthy, that is. So much of a better spot than it was last year. And if these things happen, that defense will be elite this year. And that'll help us win the East. All right. Awesome. Well, we're at a pretty good stopping point. So why don't we go ahead and take a break? We will be right back and continue with this conversation about how the Bills win the East in 2019. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun. But it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at Nick Bat, N-I-C-K-B-A-T. Along with me, as always, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. That's right. And we are going to go ahead and continue our incredibly savory third date with all of you guys as we court you for your five-star ratings and your reviews on iTunes and other podcasting apps. 
Speaking of which, we just uh, got done with our little break, which is our opportunity to hydrate and swill all of our drinks as we're as we're doing these uh, podcasts. But it makes me hungry too. Bruce, what are you going to have for dinner today? I actually don't know what I'm going to have for dinner today. What are I'm, you hoping for? Best case scenario. Oh gosh, I think biscuits and gravy is available mm. as an option. Is it the is it the chicken gravy or the brown gravy? Sausage gravy. Sausage gravy. Breakfast biscuits and gravy. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. See, yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. 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 Absolutely. There isn't a bad time to have. I mean, sausage gravy. And biscuits. There's three kinds of biscuits and gravy. There's. I the, wasn't aware that biscuits with just brown gravy well, on them was a it's, thing. It's, it's brown gravy with like beef tips, or there's there's biscuits and gravy, which is biscuits with chicken gravy and like shredded chicken. I've never heard of either of the last two of those things. Mm. When I say biscuits and gravy, yeah. I am exclusively thinking no. of. Sausage gravy, the the breakfast. sausage gravy yeah. and biscuits. I I love. I am a sucker for like the um, sixty nine year old man diner food. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> On the, which is you know like uh, mashed potatoes and and meatloaf for example. That's some, oh yeah, that's some good stuff. My wife makes unbelievable meatloaf, like just legendary, like knock your socks off meatloaf. And she wasn't even a meatloaf fan until we stumbled across this particular meatloaf recipe. I'm going to make a uh, vegetable meatloaf in the near future. It's not really meatloaf. No. But it is a, a, a meatloaf type food made purely of vegetables and lentils. No. I am going to do this. <laughs> no. It's true. Yep. No, no, you're, no, no, no. That's <laughs> blasphemous is what that is. No, it'll be good. Do you I'm realize who our it. target audience is for this pod, Nick? <laughs> it's <laughs> Buffalonians. And yeah. Bills fans, yeah, they will not lot, accept your lentil meatloaf. There is a lot of cosmopolitan transplanted Bills fans who listen to this pod from all over the country. We've got them in the Southwest. We've got them on the West Coast. And those fans are very open to the alternative cuisine. Do you take ranch on your wings, too? I, no, God, please, no, no, no. Who does here? Which of us does that? I actually do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but to be fair, to be fair, to be fair. I didn't grow up with blue cheese. I didn't grow up with that kind of in my soul and as part of who I was. That was not a thing for me. Your defense does not hold water. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Your Why defense not? is indefensible. It is a cardinal buffalo food sin. And I, I understand that there are beloved members of our family of, of the Bills community who like ranch on their wings. It's, I, it doesn't mean I love you any less. It doesn't mean that you are any less wrong either. I'm not even from Buffalo. <laughs> what did you say? I have spent zero amount of days living in Buffalo and becoming ingratiated to Buffalo food. You're, Spoiler alert. You are not ingra- You are not furthering the emotional relationship which our listeners have with you. It's like you are holding us all out. At I'm not entirely length. sure our listeners like me that much anyway. <laughs> the, you and I are going to take a road trip to Buffalo. And when that happens, I will do blue cheese on the wings. I don't want you to... Well, we will talk about it at the time. And that's... This is too upsetting to get into right now. We, I just need to push this decision are you, off. Are you emotionally damaged? I, I am emotionally disturbed, certainly. Certainly. Okay. But you knew this already about me. 
I did, but I it's 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 easier for me to hear upsetting news about you and to just like swallow it up with myself. Now I feel as though I have to represent the people who disagree with your perspective in this public forum. Just let people like things, Nick. I just let try. people like things. There, yes, I and I have, I I do, I do, I just it. it the flavor combination, the fact that your taste buds appreciate it one way and not another, it it, it, it just, it, I don't know, it breaks my heart, I guess. I, it breaks my heart to the extent that I'm angry. I've never had blue cheese with wings. You've never tried it? Yes, I've never tried it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! What? So why have you not made it a point to try it, considering how much of a conversation piece it is for Bills fans? Because for me... Wings are a special occasion kind of thing. I don't have wings very often. And when I do, I don't want to waste a single one on the unknown. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I can appreciate anyone's take on food when it comes that way. So, okay. We should now go back to talking about football. <laughs> should we? <laughs> should we? We could. Because I'm kind of hungry now. Yeah. Well, we will Let's save it. Wings. We will save it. We will save it all for the road trip podcast. All okay. right. Okay. So we have talked about what the Bills need to, what needs to happen on the Bills end of things if we're going to win the East in 19. We are also in a division with three opponents, right? And the juggernaut, I was thinking as we were talking, actually, I'm going to take a step backwards. We were talking about the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky. And I think like if you can replicate the 2019 Bears in the AFC East, and we were almost any other division in football that didn't have a juggernaut like the Patriots or the Chiefs or the Rams or the Eagles, right? I mean, there's a handful of them around the league, so it's not like we're we're not cursed in an unusual way outside of the Patriots' longevity. That's really where the curse comes in. If you were to replicate the 2019 Bears or the 2018 Bears, if you were to replicate the 2018 Bears in our division... I would feel quite good about the opportunity for that team to win the division. If you were going to replicate the Bears, the 2018 Bears, with the 2019 Bills, you'd trade a first-round pick for Jadavian Clowney. Oh, that's true. Anthony and, Marino yeah. on Breaking Buffalo Rumblings did a pod about he did. why Jadavian Clowney should be a target. If you really want to be the 2018 Bears... You do the same thing they do. You invest heavily in your offense, which we did, and then you trade your first round pick for a premier pass rusher. And you and, pay him a ton of money while you have and the you room. You pay him a ton of money while you have a room. That's I mean, if you really want to follow the blueprint, the that's what you're doing. The nice thing about the idea of paying him or Jordan Poyer a ton of money up front is that you don't have to worry about cutting them at the end of their career. I mean, so I listened to another podcast. Eric Wood has a podcast called What's Next. And one of the things that he said in his most recent podcast, which I listened to him just because he talks about the experience of being a player, but he talked about how it's so comfortable when you are a player and you don't you don't have a backloaded contract. Because if you don't have a backloaded contract, the team isn't necessarily incentivized to cut you. And so you have that comfort and that security as a player of knowing this is where I'm going to be. This is who I'm going to be doing it with. And it almost allows you to be more focused and committed to the team cause. We have the, again, I, we've talked about this previously, but we have the opportunity to put ourselves in that position with two players at least if we were to try to get Jadavion Clowney and if we were to put Jordan Poyer in that position by giving him a big extension now where we put him up front. So, tangent, I know, but 
So if you haven't heard Anthony's podcast about that and what it would look like and why you should do it, you should go give that a listen a couple of episodes back in the feed here. Okay, back to what I was talking about with the Patriots. I'm interested in hearing, let's start with the offensive side of the ball. What needs to happen across the division on the offensive side of the ball? And if you want to start with the Patriots, because I think that's everyone's curiosity is going to be that. So Brady needs to take a step back. So I, I am going to go on record here. This is going to be a super hot take. I think Drew Brees is going to start to fall off this year. I watched the back half of his last season. And I didn't see the same guy anymore. So, I mean, I'm just filling the I'm filling the pot up with hot takes that you're going to hold me accountable to. Where's old takes exposed for podcasters? <laughs> you're feeling it. You're feeling it today. I think Drew Brees is going to take a, a is going to take a step backwards this year. We need Tom Brady to do the same thing. We need Tom Brady to finally get caught up with. In addition, on the Patriots, we need in Keel Harry to not be Randy Moss. Randy Moss is one of those rare rookie receivers who came in and just dominated from play one. It was now, a beautiful thing. Now, it was awesome. It was. I'm not even a fan of that team, that conference, anybody in that conference. If anybody, I'm probably a Green Bay fan, which are their arch rivals. So fun. Randall Cunningham... Those incredible hail, those like arcing hail marys where the point comes down perfectly. He made Brad Johnson look good. <laughs> he made, made Brad Co- Johnson look good. Made Dante Culpepper look good too, <laughs> which upon reflect in in retrospect could be just as impressive. Yeah, it's a good point. We need Inkeel Harry not to be him, and if he's not him, then the loss of Gronk now means more. So. All these things are interconnected. If Brady takes a half step backwards, Gronk's loss is not filled, and Keel Harry doesn't fill the spot, all these things work in unison to mean that the Bills' offense can keep up and the Bills' defense can hold them down. People don't think about it a lot, but in that primetime game with Derek Anderson, our defense was holding them down. And... If we can hold them down like we did and the offense can keep pace, we got a shot. Question about the Patriots. How's their offensive line? I know that you have, you're on record. As long as Dante Skarnecchia is the offensive line coach, I will never put it as a negative ever. Okay. Ever. I don't. Uh, we're on, ever. On the, on the, okay. I got it. Ever. <laughs> he could roll you and I out there and we would be pro bowlers and someone pay us a, a, a ridiculous amount of money. He's that good. He he is the greatest position coach in the history of football. That's how good Dante Skarnecki is. Ooh, that is, well, that's, these are a lot of absolutes today. Okay. That's good. I'm, I'm just curious because the way that you have beaten Brady on a consistent basis historically is pressure with four and pressure up the middle. Yes. And Ed Oliver and Christian Wilkins and Quinnen Williams are all in the AFC East designed to chase 42-year-old Tom Brady up the middle, right? Yeah. So, anyways. Okay, well, I just was curious if that was going to be an Achilles heel potentially, but it sounds like probably don't bet on it. So, that has to happen with the Patriots on offense. Josh Rosen has to not be the guy. 
in Miami because one of the things we need to do is we got to sweep Miami. We cannot lose a game to Miami. You have to sweep them this year. And one of the things that will help you sweep them is if Josh Rosen is not the guy. Josh Rosen comes in. He gets beaten out by Fitz. Fitz starts the year, throws a bajillion interceptions because he goes Fitz tragic on us. Josh Rosen comes in week five, lays a complete egg, looks completely lost. The offensive line is so bad that you can't really even get up like a handle on Josh Rosen, and they are historically bad. That's what we need from the Miami Dolphins offense. So speaking of Miami and Fitzpatrick and all that, there's a guy who was on the Bills guys podcast. So, you know, give a little bit of love to the Bills guys. They had a guy named Brian Clark, who is a lifelong Jets fan. First of all, you've got to listen to the last three minutes of that podcast because it's the interview with him where he talks about his experience with the Jets fan. And I've never had somebody put it in such a crystallized, disparaging, (laughs) disparaging lens, let alone a Jets fan doing it to himself. But he called Fitzpatrick, because Fitzpatrick was with the Jets as well, he called him the five-game king. He looks great for five games. Over and over, everywhere he goes, looks great for five games. Did it in Buffalo and got paid a ton of money. Did it in Tampa Bay, right? He did it in the Jets, and now he's in Miami, and he might do he might well do it there. But then just completely comes back to earth. So we need to set the over-under for Josh Rosen to go into the game at six and a half games. Yeah, I guess. I guess, yeah. If Fitz is truly going to be the five-game king. Okay, anyways. So that's what we need from Miami. What we need from the Jets is we need the O-line issues to show up. The Jets went for flash over substance this offseason. They have a serious offensive line issue. They got Kelechi Osemele, who was terrible last year. Two years ago, he was good. Last year, he was awful. So this idea that he's going to bounce back is not guaranteed. He could just have become awful. That's a thing. That's a very realistic thing that could happen. He could be terrible. Or he could bounce back and be good. They don't have a center. Everyone thought it was Matt Paradis and Mitch Morse between Buffalo and the Jets. And the Jets got neither of them. Their offensive line is a problem. And if their offensive line is a problem, that means Le'Veon Bell doesn't look like Le'Veon Bell anymore. And it means Sam Darnold is run for his life. And that thing will blow up in unbelievable fireworks. Oh, give me more. Le'Veon Bell will not be as thrilled to leave two naked women in his bed knowing full well that his offensive line is not going to have his back. You got me heavy breathing over here. Hearing about this Jets offensive line. You're really starting to sound like Barry White again. Yeah. And the truth is that that's reasonable. If the Jets suck this year, it will be because their offensive line completely took the knees out from them. We need that to happen. I I, I Honestly, with how bad the Jets offensive line could be and just the situation Miami's in roster-wise as a whole, to me it is certainly not beyond comprehension to imagine that they're both really bad. 
I think everyone's expecting the Jets to take this 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 leap because of Sam Darnold's second, second year. year. Yeah, they got Le'Veon Bell, they got Jamison Crowder. He's a second, made, but he's in a new system, and their their front office and their culture is a, it's a mess. It is a mess, but you know, I actually like Douglas. I actually think Douglas could be good. I I am not an Adam Gase believer. I, I'm not. I'm just not. I think that Adam Gase has been hanging on the coattails of Peyton Manning. Yeah, I'm on record as saying the same for thing. For a bajillion years. Yeah, it's Yes, crazy. Jay Cutler looked his best under Adam Gase. Mm-hmm. Mike McCoy, same story. Just living off of the Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning meal line. I, I, Jay Cutler looked his best under you. Well, Fitzpatrick looked his best under Gailey, too. Does does that mean I want Gailey? Well, you can, I love Gailey. You're though. getting you're hitting me in a soft spot. <laughs> I don't know. You can't ask me that that's, question. That's an absolutely terrible <laughs> metaphor because I love Chan Gailey. Yeah, I like, but, uh, but maybe I do. <laughs> if if Brian Dable goes to be a head coach, how awesome would it be to get Chan as an offensive coordinator? Oh my gosh, I would love it. <laughs> oh, I love Chan great. so much. That would be great. That would be great. Okay, we can hope. We can hope. You know why I love Chan? Because it's a tough game for tough people. A tough game for tough people. <laughs> this is a tough game for tough people. Yep. The fact of the matter is that the Jets could go down in flames, all because the offensive line is terrible. We've seen this happen before. We've seen a bad offensive line. We just watched it last year. We've seen a bad offensive line completely hamstring an offense. And it could happen in New York, and that's what we need to happen for the Bills to win the East. All right, nice. What else? Anything else on offense? I mean, Miami just has to kind of be what we hope and Josh Rosen not be the guy. I feel bad for Josh Rosen if he's not the guy. Dude's gotten a tough go around. And he was the guy I wanted the most when we drafted Josh was Allen. He, was he QB1 for you? No. Because uh, Mayfield was Mayfield QB1 for was, both of us, right? Bay, Mayfield was QB1 for me for sure. Uh However, it seems as though the one concern that I had and also the thing I loved, kind of the double-edged sword with Mayfield, is his swagger and his his persona. It could be getting him into trouble, as I think some people thought it might and would. So, Just real quick, who? how, how did you rank the quarterbacks again? Uh, it would have been, for me, it would have been Mayfield because of his moxie, Rosen because he was pro-ready, Darnold because he was safe, and then Allen would have been fourth. Oh, you had Allen ranked higher than me. Well, I didn't do a whole lot of work on the other guys. I might well have liked one of the other smaller school guys. Kyle. Loletta? Yeah, I might have. Some people liked Loletta. I never even really looked at him. So I may have liked Loletta more than Allen if I had given him a shake. But I also liked Allen his junior season at Wyoming because a friend of mine liked Allen and talked about him as Brett Favre. And, you know, it's like talking about Chan Gailey. Talk about Brett Favre. Talk about Chan Gailey. He just get me all excited. <laughs> if you get Brett Favre <laughs> with a Chan Gailey offense, Nick just can't handle it. I can't. Literally, he just can't do it. I'm a little verklempt. I don't. I can't handle it. For me, I want to rank him. Yeah, right? Yeah, For right. me, it was Mayfield. Rosen, Darnold, Mason Rudolph, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Yeah, where he was, was QB six for me? Where was yeah? Well, that's fine. I mean, he's he's our guy until he's not. Just like Lashawn McCoy is our my guy. Like you know, I've, I'm on record as saying I, I'm happy if I'm okay if we move on with Lashawn McCoy, right? Until as long as he's in the building, as long as he's wearing our jersey, he's my guy. Yeah, the second they said with the seventh overall pick in the 2018 NFL draft, you had a tantrum. I threw a tantrum. You did. You on remember Twitter. this. I threw it on Twitter. I actually posted it on Twitter you, just recently, right? Threw I threw it, a tantrum. You threw a tantrum in text. I threw a tantrum in text with you. And then I said, okay, 
Let's do this. He's my guy. He's my guy now. That's right. That's so right. now I'm, I'm I'm leaping over people and I'm wearing shorts and I'm chugging beers and I'm wanting to go visit Wyoming. All right. So that's what needs to happen on offense. Around the division. Around the division for us to be able to do it. Okay. What about on defense? On defense. <laughs> I'm going to lump all these together. You ready? <laughs> okay. I'm sure. The Pats, the Pats pass rush needs to tank. The Jets pass rush needs to tank. The Dolphins pass rush needs to tank. Look around the division. Nobody has a good pass rush on paper. Nobody. It could be a problem for everybody. The Jets are putting their feather in the cap of Jashai Polite, a third-round rookie who had arguably the worst draft season of any player I've ever seen ever who wasn't committing criminal charges. It was awful. The Patriots just let Eric Flowers go and like, ah, well, you know, I'm I'm the Patriots. I manufacture stuff. Well, in addition, the Patriots have philosophically gone away from pass rush. They've gone more towards coverage. They have. Yep. That's there's Stephon Gilmore and the McCarty brothers, right? Yeah. So the Dolphins pass rush, they just let go of Robert Quinn. They just let go of Cameron Wake. They drafted Christian Wilkins, but name me a Dolphins pass rusher. Quick. Christian Wilkins. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Right. The point is that there is a reasonable possibility that as much as I wanted the Bills to invest significant resources in defensive end, that the Bills have the best edge rushers by leaps and bounds in, in the, in the, the AFC East. Yeah. I, I, I feel very confident about that, actually. And there's a reasonable chance that all three of those teams have terrible pass rushes this year. And if they do, and the Bills' offensive line gets better, these things in concert with each other mean Josh Allen now is not running for his life anymore. And if he's not running, these things all start to start to compound on you. That's what needs to happen in the division on defense. Because I don't need C.J. Mosley to tank. C.J. Mosley is a perfectly reasonable off-ball linebacker. He's good. He's a good player. Can we say off-ball linebacker real quick? So that's a, that's a term that I hear used a lot. Yeah. What is the difference between an off-ball linebacker and, and you know, conversely, an on-ball linebacker? On-ball linebacker would be a 3-4 outside linebacker. Okay. Someone you could classify the, as an edge, edge rusher. The, the stand-up edge rusher defensive yeah. end. Off-ball linebacker is anybody who's playing, you know, a couple of yards back from the line of scrimmage. Correct. Okay, okay. So... Tremaine Edmonds would be an off-ball linebacker. Matt Milano? Matt Milano would be an off-ball linebacker. Lorenzo Alexander would not be an off-ball linebacker. So even though Matt Milano is a is either is specifically a weak side, he's not a middle linebacker, he's a weak side backer, even though that's the case, he's still considered off-ball. Correct. Okay, great. That's helpful for me. So that's what needs to happen on defense in the rest of the division. I don't really need anything else to tank. I'm not scared. Of the defenses in this division. What about the Patriots secondary? Stephon Gilmore is a good player. Good thing we don't have an alpha number one receiver that we're relying on who he can lock down. Boom. Roasted. This is where it comes in this is where it comes in handy. Zing. To not have somebody who you're feeding targets to 
who if they get locked down, you're lost. Did you ever watch the Lions offense back in the day when Calvin Johnson wasn't having a good day? Matt Stafford was just lost. In fact, there was a question when Calvin Johnson retired whether Matt Stafford was going to look anything like the way he did. Now, he did. Matt Stafford evolved and really ended up becoming a player who can put up stats regardless if he has had alpha one. But I don't know if you've seen the uh, Andy Dalton stats with A.J. Green versus the Andy Dalton stats without A.J. Green. I have not. D- don't do it. It's frightening. <laughs> You'll have nightmares. But the fact of the matter is that not having an alpha number one means, okay, so Stephon Gilmore locks down Robert Foster. Okay. So? So if Robert Foster has a day where he has one catch for six yards, Lottie da. Yeah, not. I mean, we don't need Robert Foster. We don't need any of the four pieces. We have people who can duplicate things. John Brown and Robert Foster do similar things. A very particular set of skills. So if you take away one of them, that's great. We'll just go to the other one. So, and I'm not saying that Stephon Gilmore is the only good player in that secondary, but I'm not frightened of the manpower. I am frightened that Bill Belichick's defensive schemes will befuddle a young quarterback. But that goes with Josh Allen taking the next step. If he takes the next step, he will not be befuddled by schemes. Okay, cool. Why don't we take one more quick break, and then we will come back, and we can talk about the larger schedule conversation, about what would need to happen. We've talked now, you know, just give you a little teaser. We've talked about what needs to happen for the Bills. We've talked about what needs to happen on offense and defense around the division. All of these things now are going to influence what happens on everybody's schedule and what could potentially put us in a position where we walk away as the champions of the AFC East. So we'll take a break and be right back with you. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is Nick Bat here with the Nick and Nolan Show. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. Bruce. I'm Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. Not our smoothest transition. We will march on. (laughs) We continue. (laughs) So, anyways, uh, let's talk about what it would look like around the division on the schedule and for the Bills on the schedule. If all the things we've already talked about come to fruition, what would need to happen schedule-wise that's going to put us in a position where we could win the East? So if this stuff between the hash marks and on the field manifests itself, here's what that looks like from a schedule standpoint. Number one, the Patriots start slow. The Patriots are not historically fast-starting, but we need them to be specifically slow. And I'll give you an example as to what I mean by specifically slow. They open with Pittsburgh, at Miami, New York Jets, at Buffalo. Now, here's the thing that you got to understand. Pats fans are looking at that saying, that's ah, a 3-1, potentially 4-0 start. Yeah. See, here's the thing. 
Miami in Miami has always given them some problems. They really have. Yeah. And if you They're combine jealous. and if you combine that, you combine that with the fact that you're going earlier in the year. If Miami is going to pull something out of their rear end, week two is the time to do it. So they Fitzpatrick five game king. So they start strong with Fitzpatrick beating them week two, right? The Patriots start badly. Pittsburgh comes out on fire ready to prove everybody wrong that they didn't lose Bell and Brown, and it's going to really tank the talent level, and they come out on fire. That's not Mike Tomlin's strong suit, but go on. So, <laughs> Pittsburgh beats them week one. Miami upsets them week two. Now, they go into week three, 0-2, oh and, and they whoop up on the Jets. They take out their anger on the Jets. But then they go at, they go at Buffalo week four, and they're still, still finding their finding their kind of vibe. And the Bills just smack them around week four. Well, they could also take it for granted. I mean, they're they're not, they're long in the tooth, so they would know better than to do that. But it's not unheard of for a team like that to come into the, to come into Buffalo and take that win for granted. And it's not uncommon for the Pats to drop a stinker week four and still be kind of figuring themselves out. So that's what we need. We need the Patriots to start slow. In addition, how this manifests itself is the inverse of that. We need the Bills to start fast. Yeah, we got a hell of an ending, man. We do have a hell of an ending, which means we open with two games in Jersey, the Jets and the Giants. We win both of them. We go to Cincinnati. So we don't go to Cincinnati. Cincinnati comes to us. Week three, home opener. We're 2-0. and We're jacked. We steamroll. The poncho game. The Bengals. It's the poncho game. Viva los Bills, baby. The, the energy level's ridiculous. Yep. We go and we're at home. 3-0 and against the New England Patriots who come in 1-2. and You can do it! And it's just too much. And we beat the Patriots to go to 4-0. and I feel like we have been in situations where we've had the opportunity to do that at home before, and I can just taste the energy of what it would be like come 4.30 in the afternoon if we pull out that win at 1 o'clock on Sunday, and we just never have actually turned it. And then Tennessee gets the Twitter vote bowl <laughs> week five, and we beat them, and we go into the bye week 5-0. and oh. And we started crazy fast. That is, I tell you what, that is, that is a type of mental. Uh, there, there is, there is something difficult about how you handle that success and what your mental focus remains coming out of that buy. That would be um, pretty important for Sean McDermott to prove he can handle. That's a different kind. Matt Fairburn and Joe Biscaglia have talked with Sean McDermott and then repeated part of their conversation where McDermott has said, you can be tested by failure, but you can then also be tested by success and who wants credit and stuff like that. And I think steadying the ship would be something I would start to get anxious about. That we're going to go 5-0 and and we're going to come out of the bye and then we're just going to lay a huge egg. Well, the good news is you're coming out of the bye against Miami. So then you go 6-0. and and then you get smacked around by arguably the most talented team in the entire league, and Philadelphia in Week Seven gets you. Yeah, and you go to six and one, but you bounce back against Washington, and you get Washington. 
Is Washington going to be good? We don't really know. It depends who starts. I think it's going to be a transitionary year for Washington. I think they'll be okay. They find themselves 7-9, 8-8. Yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah. And then you go to Cleveland, into Cleveland, and you might lose, right? Now, Cleveland has a very similar issue to the to the, the Jets. Their offensive line could create problems. And the difference is they have a way more talented team I mean, than here, the Jets do. The, here, You and I are both in Cleveland, right? So, I mean, we know the Cleveland situation a we little bit. We do. Here's, for anybody who's interested and wants to hear my two cents on Cleveland, there are two things, three things, two of them are related, that could cause the Browns big, tr- big, big trouble this year, even though they are talented out the wazoo. Number one is the offensive line, that they could be... Baker Mayfield just gets beat to death. That's number one. Number two is drama. Now, let's say that that number one happens. Do you think Baker Mayfield's going to take that laying down whenever the expectations are high, or is he going to say some things that maybe he shouldn't say? Do you remember when Peyton Manning said we had some protection issues? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? I don't think that Baker Mayfield's going to be as diplomatic as now, that. Now, imagine that from a guy who is not quite as diplomatic as Peyton Manning. Yeah. yeah. It could go badly. There's no question. The, the third thing is that if drama comes, you've got an unknown commodity in Freddie Kitchens who is supposed to handle all of that. And I like Freddie Kitchens just fine. I don't feel confident that he's going to be the guy I want to hitch my wagon to to lead me through the storm. I would much rather have Cleveland late in the year than Cleveland early in the year. Because if it starts to unravel, we're going to get them when things are, are going off the rails. Yeah, when, whenever, yeah, they're starting so, to show some leaks. Yeah, Let's say that's a loss. But then we have Miami again. So we get them. And then we get Denver and we get them. We lose to Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. We lose to Baltimore. We lose to Pittsburgh. We lose to New England. And we are 9-6. and six. In the fi- going into the final week, and we take it to Sam Darnold and the Jets to get to ten and six and win the division. And you could swap a couple of those games out too, because you have us losing to Baltimore, which I, I think is a pretty winnable game. Yeah, sure. But we thought that last year. Yeah, and you know, you almost might. Yeah, true. Yeah, very true. But at the end, that that is a, just a hell of a stretch that we got. That is why it's so important for us to start fast. So, the schedule outlined like this. The Pats have to start slow. We have to start fast. We have to sweep Miami and the Jets. Miami and the Jets. (laughs) Yeah. And Miami has to continue to annoy the Patriots even when they're bad. And they get him early, and they get him in Miami. Now, that puts us at 10-6 and six at the end of the season with a split with New England. So how do we win either the tiebreaker, or are you saying that Brady takes such a step back that they go 9-7? and seven? So let's do that, shall we? <laughs> okay. So in the example, I have New England's schedule in front of me, outlined by Bruce, as to how this happens if things go poorly. They open against Pittsburgh. They lose. They go to Miami. They lose. They take the Jets. They win. They go to Buffalo. They lose. They beat Washington. 
They beat the Giants. They beat the Jets. They lose to Cleveland. They lose to Baltimore. They lose to Philadelphia. They lose to Dallas. They beat Houston. They lose to Kansas City. They beat Cincinnati. They beat Buffalo. They beat Miami. They're 8-8. Eight and eight. Hot damn! Wow. And the Patriots miss the playoffs. Now, if that happens and Brady doesn't want to retire, do you think Belichick pulls the plug and moves him? Oh, man. What a... No. Because they don't have a guy. I don't know, man. Unless they think Jared Stidham is the dude. Yeah. And Tom Brady, I'm telling you right now, Tom Brady won't be traded because he'll refuse to report. Tom Brady's not going to go out like that. If they trade Brady to Cincinnati, first off, they wouldn't do that, right? They're not going to exile him to Cincinnati. But if they did, Tom Brady's just going to go, okay, I'll retire. And then the trade will be nullified. Yeah. I That's mean, what Gronk threatened to do when they talked about trading him to the Lions last year. Yeah. How, how I guess, I think about when Montana went to Kansas City, and that was a long time ago. It was totally different situation. Totally yeah, he wasn't situation 42. Because, yeah, he wasn't 42. The Patriots don't have Steve Young. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of things, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, the, the the reputation of Belichick is that he just, he cuts bait, man. And and the, the, big, the big test is going to be when Brady starts to show that he's not the same player, does Belichick still have the balls to move on like he's done in the past? I don't know if Belichick wants to rebuild. I don't know if Belichick wants to go through the rebuild. Maybe he does. But if I were him... Those press conferences, man. Whew. If they if they are having an 8-8 eight eight season, how many losses in a row did you have them? I had... Four? Cleveland, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Dallas. Four, four losses in a, in a row. Oof. That is going to be a nasty press Again, conference. Again, this is really important. Huge disclaimer here. I am not predicting these things to happen. Yeah, we actually don't really believe these things will happen. I am saying... This is how it. This is the blueprint. This is how you win the AFC East. Ooh, I love these it. things need to happen, and we should we should get jacked. I want some of that. So but bad. do not misinterpret Bruce right now and say, "Well, gosh, you know, I can see the headline now." Local nondescript podcaster declares Patriots to go eight and eight. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't say that. Please don't say that. It also, would be inaccurate because we're not really local. So that's a good point. <laughs> Well, it would be in the Cleveland paper. So, it, so yeah, the Cleveland paper I don't would know say the, local nondescript podcast. I don't know if the plain dealer is that desperate. But. Anywho, this is what needs to happen for us to get what we need to get. And if, we, if the stuff on the field manifests itself the way that we would like it to, then that's how it will manifest itself on the schedule. Okay, so I want to go... I mean, I think that this has been a really fun exercise, and it is incredibly exciting, and it does get the juices flowing. So I'm, I, I, I love it. What's the percentage chance that it could go this way? And then I'll ask you one other thing: What is the number one thing that you think is the most unlikely that we spoke about? Wow, that's a good question. I think the most unlikely thing that we could possibly think. Hmm. I mean, all these things seem fairly reasonable. That's the reason why I put them on there, right? Is Allen? I mean, you have some serious Josh Allen reservations. Is I Al- do, but I don't think 
Remember, I, I didn't right. say you, it was you necessary. Did, you hedged it. You bracketed it. Right. I don't. I don't need him to be elite. Right. right in right. order for this exercise to go, you just need him to look like the guy. All right. All right. I think the least likely thing out of all the things we just said is the Bills sweeping the Jets. That's what I think. I think the Jets will take one from the Bills this year. I think of all the things we talked about, let me think here. I think the most unlikely thing is that the Patriots start as slow as you said. I think everything else could happen, but the, the they're going to get... Would they go zero and four? In no, your, they were one and three. Oh, they beat up. Four. They beat up on the Jets, but they lost to us at home and uh, lost to us in Buffalo. Who was their week one? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And they lost to Miami and Miami. Yeah, I mean, I could easily see them winning all of those. Absolutely, they could be four and zero. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, those are probably yeah that that stretch. I mean, I think that we could see Edmonds take the step. I think we could get production out of Trent Murphy. I think that. Uh, the running game could show up. I think that all the other pass rushes could be. <laughs> I think a lot of this stuff that we talked about is not unrealistic. None of this stuff is crazy. Yeah, it's not crazy. I, it's just getting all of it. Yeah, it's getting all of it. Right, right. It's, you know, it's making the playoffs the way that we made the playoffs. It's getting all of the help you need. I think 5% chance Yeah. that all of this happens. Yeah, that's a kick in the tits. <laughs> I don't want to... Drench your dreams. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? What is drench? Is there an O Town soundbite? Yeah, liquid dreams yeah, we could do? Circa 2004 or something like that. Uh, ew, okay. Holy. Did f- talking about fluids and dreams just takes me to a certain place and it's around 2004 so <laughs> what, what are we doing what has happened to this pod it's been a, it's been a journey all right i think we're gonna leave it there <laughs> so this has been one hell of a third date and if you disagree we talked about liquid fluids <laughs> bite, bite on me. our third date bite me you can you are incorrect if you think this was a bad third date. So again, we make a humble ask of you, Buffalo Rumblings Podcast listener. If you like what we're doing, the Nick and Nolan show is new to Buffalo Rumblings. Even if you've been listening to Buffalo Rumblings for a while, head over to your favorite podcast app, head over to the iTunes store, give us a five-star review, give us a couple of sentences and tell us what you think of how we're doing, and we would be eternally grateful. Reach out to us on Twitter and let us know what you think of how we're doing. You can find me at Nick Bat, N-I-C-K-B-A-T. You can find me at Bruce Exclusive. And we will be back next week with another podcast and some more information about the upcoming road trip that we're hoping to make before training camp. In the meantime, we want to wish you a wonderful dog days of summer until we talk to you again. And as always, until next time. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha-cha.
Right now, businesses are facing tough choices. Do you cut costs or drive growth? Solve for today or build for tomorrow? Do you satisfy your shareholders or satisfy your customers? The answer is yes. You don't have to choose. With the intelligent platform for digital business from ServiceNow, you can say yes to unifying your existing systems and yes to accelerating growth. Visit servicenow.com to see how we can help you put yes to work. The world works with ServiceNow. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.